segment of talking points from from week 16 here in the Irish NFL show the number one draft pick secured by by Carolina obviously it's it's only going to be resting in their accounts uh, shout out to Father Ted because it's going to Chicago because of that trade that Carolina made to trade up and get Bryce Young uh, last offseason Carolina shut out by the Jags over the weekend and um, they had the second longest active streak without a shutout going I think uh, I can't remember I think it's, it's, it's I think it might be the Ravens who who have the the longest one now um, that came to a, a crashing end. Social media video appeared to show, and you know, kind of wise to the fact that, as we know, sometimes these clips are not what they are, uh, what they initially appear to be. But um, David Tepper, Carolina Panthers owner, cer- certainly not happy in his his box at the weekend, and from a certain angle, looked to be throwing in the drink, throwing a drink in the direction of a of a Jags fan. Um, that that's all gone pear shapes we, we, we've spoken about where Carolina have been but th- there's been no sign of any improvement since they sacked the head coach you know second time in two seasons that uh, Tepper has seen fit to remo- relieve the head coach of his responsibilities uh, midway through the season that doesn't look like Tabor is, is doing any better than Frank Wright did before him and there's no sign of it improving anytime soon either and they don't have the draft capital to to make any big moves this offseason either you know it's probably one of the most dysfunctional organizations, if not the, the, the one at the moment, uh, Kieran Boyle, who uh, does be on the show at the weekends and the instant reaction, obviously he's based stateside, was at the game for us yesterday. And you saw the, you saw the messages last night. I mean, he, he was in at the press conference after. He said it's so despondent from the head coach and, and Roy Shung looks like a shell of himself. He looks completely lost. He looked completely lost on the field. Kieran the text me during the game to say, this team had given up, you know, early on. It was like the tackling levels were off. And then obviously you see the, the bigger storyline coming out of the game obviously is the, the responsibility of the owner or, or the lack of responsibility in terms of how he manages his frustration. I just did a very good podcast today in which they said he's going to have to choose his next head coach carefully because he won't listen. But the problem is he does he wants to run everything. He wants instant success. He wants everything to turn around overnight. But the harsh reality it's going to take three or four years. This is the problem, isn't it? I mean, Coaches talk, and you know, see they read the news and they they know what they're getting into. You know, as you say, if you're if you're looking at, you know, the likes of a Ben Johnson, he's going to evaluate that opportunity among the many potential offers that he'll have on his table. And how how is that ever going to be top of top of your list? Like Frank Wright goes in there last season, and we still haven't got to the bottom of whether he actually got the quarterback that he wanted. Like last season, that looked like it might actually be a good landing spot if Tepper would stay out of your way, which turned out to be a big and completely implausible if, um, as things have panned out. But Bryce Young comes off his arguably his best performance of the season last week, and things were looking semi promising. You know, they 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 could well have taken down the the Packers in that game and at least gone into this one with a little bit of momentum and you know a little bit more pride to play for, but. Now you're staring at it going, well, we're going to end up with the worst record in the NFL. We're going to end up with the one pick. We don't even get the benefit of it. Um, we've no head coach. They're thinking probably the same things we are. Like, who is actually going to come in and take this on next year? And are they going to be listened to? And are we going to be in exactly the same situation next year? And, you know, anybody who's in the who's in the position to to force out is, pr- is probably going to be heading for the exit door. Yeah, I think somewhere along the line, someone, he's going to have to take advice from someone whether it's uh, someone outside the organization that has a football in mind, or whether he, he recognizes that the only true path to success now for this team is to bring in a head coach which has years of experience. And the obvious one is Bill Belichick. Now, whether Bill Belichick wants to go to Carolina and deal with an owner, his, his time of his career, an impatient owner, but he's a different team. But I think he needs someone that's going to go in 
and literally take over the entirety of the organization. And essentially, that's what Belichick has been doing yeah. in, in New England. Uh, or maybe Ron Rivera goes back there. But if he gets the runs, possibly he has another goal going back to Carolina. It's a different experience. Obviously, Richardson was the owner at the time with, with yeah. Rivera. But he's going to need some strong-minded head coach attack. But, but the next person goes in. I suppose your, your obvious counterpoint here is, what I think of it, is, is uh, Shane Steichen at the, at the Colts. You know, you get the right quarterback, you get the right coach, and... It, it seems to have pulled them away from the center of Jim Irsay gravity and almost in spite of themselves, the Colts are actually succeeding and they're, they're one win away from the playoffs. Yeah, but true enough. Yeah. And, and the gas is Frank Reich was the one that was obviously relieved of his, of his services there as well. It's a bit of a army copy. I mean, what I would say about the Colts is they've, they've struck gold with an offensive type head coach there and they're doing very good things with, with a, a deputy quarterback or a rookie, uh, I'm sorry, a backup quarterback in Gary Minshew, but defensively, for me, they seem a bit off. Uh, Gus Bradley, for me, isn't doing a, a great job there. I mean, there was times yesterday. Kevin O'Connell came in that game. I, mean, I don't want to be too precise about the game. I know it's a broader conversation, but 286 yards and I'm still at a poor game. And the Colts defense. Aiden, Aiden O'Connell. Aiden. Kevin O'Connell was busy getting his ass handed to him in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but uh, the Colts defense, for me, like, Colts probably will. It's, it's interesting to see who's going to be the favorite for that game at the weekend. You know, we haven't had an opportunity to look at Quinn, but like in terms of Texans and Colts, Texans week two, it seems like a long time ago. They, you know, Richardson was the quarterback then, but they still put up 382 yards in that game on a Colts defense. And it's, and then you see the numbers yesterday. It strikes me as if the Texans with CJ Stroud go in there on Saturday night, which is obviously the, the game's early hours of the morning on Sunday. Maybe the Texans will outdo Stoiken, but yeah, look, you're right what he said. Is he going to look at that and say, I don't know what the what the, what the line on that game is, Brian and Crinbet. It's Texans minus one. <laughs> there you have it. That is a nail biter. Well, it, it goes to it goes to the conversation of you know it. Even the bookmakers are unsure who's going to be who's the worthy favorite. I came to, for a point game in a, in a divisional game. It probably doesn't come as surprised so it's so tight. But you would expect the Colts to be. I would have thought they fought down the road in terms of favorites and bearing in mind they're at home, but it's going to strike me as they're looking at this defense and they're looking at can they can they manage CJ Stroud? CJ Stroud had a bit of a breakout game in week two against them with that 282 yards. I was looking at the numbers today. Um, I'd be leaning Texans. I think, yeah, Steichen's done a great job. And to be many a mantle out there now, he's the type of guy we need to find the offensive coordinator mind the guys that can go and do it. But again, it doesn't necessarily work out because we saw what's happened over the course of the few years, but steady ownership. A lot of these guys will be key. I don't sure that's what they're going to get in Carolina, but someone, someone will take the opportunity. It's only twenty-two positions available. Brian, you got steady ownership, and you got the the, the GM that that constantly gets the garlands in in Howie in Philadelphia, and yet the Eagles are in. They're in a quandary here now. Look, we could all look very foolish, and they go into the playoffs, and they become a wrecking ball, and and maybe it all clicks into place just at the right time, but. Like I don't know if there's any way to describe that game over the week over the weekend than that they just wet the bed against the Cardinals. I mean, whatever late game heroics, Jonathan Gannon, curse of the old boy, rolling back into where he was DC last year, getting one over on his former boss Nick Sirianni. All of that is in play. The Eagles had that one on lockdown. They just got a pick six. Cardinals had handed them essentially a, a two possession lead, and they went to sleep. But if you watch, I watched the game back in more detail this morning because I looked at it yesterday and obviously you're trying to, you're constantly trying to keep an eye on the majority of the games. The Cardinals played really well in the first half. They they, they drove down for the opening series or, you know, took a field goal. They drove down the next drive into the red zone. Obviously that, that becomes the, 
the pick six, which Brown returns it for 99 yards. Like, Julio Jones has two touchdowns, but by and large, um, the Eagles didn't do a lot. They only, they only had 91 yards. If I had said to you before again, it'd be 226 yards of total rushing offenses against 96, you would have said that's the Eagles all day long. When it wasn't, it was Connor and Carter. The, the tackling on the Eagles' defense is abysmal. It was abysmal last week against the Giants. You spoke about it for weeks on end. It's it's gone to pot, and it's, I don't. I just don't see how it's going to. How they're going to recover? Like, it's it's mad to think this is this is a defense last year that was probably the most feared in the NFL. Like they had this, you know, formidable uh, front four. You know, they had they had basically two front fours. They were just rotating guys in and out. Didn't matter, getting pressure from wherever they wanted. They looked strong in the linebacker position. Obviously, they 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 they, they traded TJ Edwards. He went out of there, and they don't seem to replace him adequately. And they're dealing with some injuries. Secondary looks porous, as you say. The tackling, I mean, and the tackling is a good point, and you brought it up earlier, and it, it's it's worth returning to. Like I was watching the the Steelers win against the Seahawks. I know we, we'll get to that in a little bit more detail later on, but one of the things that was really notable to me was see that the Steelers' open field tackling is ferocious. Like talk about flying to the ball. Like they they lower the boom on people every single snap. Nobody gets by without you know get getting hit hard. Uh, they don't tend to to, to miss tackles. And, and when they've got those, you know, third and short or, you know, passing situations on third down where a guy's stretching for the line, he's not going to get it if if the Steelers have their way about it. Like, they're not giving up cheap yardage at all. They really make teams work through the pain barrier for everything. The Eagles are a complete contrast to that. Like, you know, we've, we've seen them get gashed week in, week out over this, you know, this gauntlet that they ran. And, you know, we, a lot of people maybe were giving them a bit of a pass saying, well, you send anybody through the Bills, the Cowboys, the Chiefs and the 49ers in consecutive weeks and you see how they come out the other end of it. But, you know, we're past that now. This was supposed to be the gimme game to put them back in the driving seat for the one seed. And now that's in uh, that's in San Francisco and they're going to be on the road in the divisional round. They may not even win their own division. Well, no, they're, they're obviously now in a position where it's not in their hands anymore. The Cowboys have an opportunity to win that game against the Commanders and secure the division. They'll go on the road to in all likelihood, should be the Bucks. They should beat the Panthers this weekend. But it's like anything: can you switch it around and get it, get it back on track quickly? If they win that game, they would all likelihood then probably go into would it be San Fran? It depends, obviously, the permutations of the playoffs. But they're up against it now. I just don't. I can't see how to get it back. And it was very evident that yesterday. I don't know if you, you saw the reaction to the crowd when they kicked the field goal and went up with three points. And the, you know, I don't know would it be a sense of relief from the Eagles fans. If, if the camera kept zoning in on different fans and they were all looking very disgruntled. I think the reality was they knew this defense couldn't stop anybody and the cars go down. And I saw the Eagles fans looking disgruntled. What yeah, uh, Colin, it's pretty Colin now because he even knows about that. a permanent state of disgruntlement, God bless them. Well, they're spoiled. They've been spoiled the past few years and still still weren't happy. Gannon's point around the, the actually, some, a nugget from the game was he went for an onside kick with five minutes to go. And he didn't make it, obviously, but he was confident enough that his... I liked that call, though, because, like, yeah. on multiple levels, all right, the, the onside kick is is such a, a a low percentage success, and particularly low percentage success when you're doing it when everybody expects it. You're going to steal a possession, you need to do it when the other team isn't isn't expecting it, which, you know, plus point for me there. Also, okay, if they get the ball back, fantastic, they're, 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 they're in clover. Even if they don't get the ball back, and I know this sounds counterintuitive, Eagles have a short field, so the subsequent drive is not going to eat a huge amount of time off the clock. Either you get the stop, or they score quickly, and at least you have a chance to to, to come back again. 
Well, you've nailed it, because that's pretty much what he said in the press conference. When he was asked the question, he said, I was comfortable enough giving the ball up to the 50 because I knew they wouldn't be able to utilise the clock. There were advantages where he said, where if we had got the, the ball off the onside kick, we felt we could have utilised the clock better and ran it down because we were running the ball so efficiently between Carter and Connor, and they were breaking tackles all day long that they, they would have put themselves in a real strong position to get that clock down to maybe below two minutes and, and then and get a touchdown because he was confident that the team would score a touchdown where you couldn't have any confidence in the Eagles the way they were playing. Side note on Carter as well, he looks good. A, a Jets cast off, like he put a filthy move in at one stage, a, a lovely sidestep to on one of the, the the longer runs that he broke off. That's a pretty, pretty electric one through tandem, as you say. And, you know, they got Trey McBride working out well for them as well. Um, that's going to be interesting to see what they do with what's going to be a high draft pick. Um, Kyler Murray obviously looking like he's somewhat back to back to his old self. So, like an interesting offseason coming up there. But they look to have a guy in Jonathan Gannon who, despite the the kind of snickering behind hands that was done earlier this season, including by us, let, let, let's own it, yeah. um, actually looks to be the right man for the job. Yeah, and it's been, I think it's been refreshing since Kyler came back because there was so much disgruntled during Kyler's attitude last year to contract, stipulation contracts. Would he come back from the injury? Would he be able to play at the same level after coming back from the injury? I think he's put that to, to bed. I don't think they're in a position that they'd be seeking a quarterback come the draft. And interesting enough, like there, I, was, I did check the odds on this one because obviously there's, it's relevance to where the draft selections are going to end today. And, they're, and with Quinn Bet, they're only a, uh, Three point underdogs at home to the Cardinals. Sorry, at home to the Hawks this weekend. If they were to win, so it against around the possibility that they'll win that game this weekend. I mean, they look like they're going in it in the right direction. And what I did really enjoy was actually um, Austin Ford, the GM, on the pitch after the game. I don't know if you saw that coverage. He was high fiving all the players. Again, it just looks like a, a coach and a GM that's in locks in lockstep together. So, I think better days ahead for this for this Cards team. But ultimately, they are where we thought they'd be this year, which is to win three or four games. But They've, they've beaten the Cowboys and they've beaten the Eagles in this season. That's 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 remarkable when you think about it. Bear in mind that these two teams are supposed to be so far advanced from everyone else. Well, speaking of the Cowboys and, and teams who are where they are, they did win against Detroit. Um, one of the most um, bizarre endings we've seen to a game in a season that has had plenty of bizarre endings, but one of the most bizarre endings we've seen to a game in a long time. Um, it's not a victory that inspires a huge degree of confidence in in the Cowboys and you know I hate to keep coming back to this talking point but Cowboys probably Dolphins are another team in that boat you know you you keep looking at them going every time I think I can trust you you go and do something like this and, and come up small yeah it's it, it didn't surprise that the game was so close though we know never, never mind no, we, both, yeah. we both selected the Cowboys and Colin went to the Lions he thought the, the Lions would have more than enough I mean when I watched the game on Sunday morning it struck me as a game that was putting me a ding dong and would come down to the end. Now, unfortunately, for uh, fans, we're getting away from the game itself because of what happened and how the, the manner of the game. When I want to call it, it was well as, um, and, I, and I'm so old school, I'm thinking banging my head against a brick wall, just in that analytic stuff. Like Dan Campbell, he forgo a three point field goal early on in the game. That three points in the fourth quarter would have been crucial in the manner in which the game ended. They, they would have won the game. And I, I like, I, I just, it strikes me as a game when you know the game is going to be close. It's different when you're playing a game where you maybe you're up by 10, 13 points. Okay, I won't go for it. I'll try and put the hammer down here. In a game that's so, going to be so tight towards the end, the three points, I said a few weeks ago, Sean Payton. Sean Payton recognised this team as how to manage a game. I know that Brown was having the best of seasons. He, he managed the game and said, I'll take the three points here. They will be valuable come the fourth quarter. Those three points would have been valuable. 
Borg. That's lost because I do. I do wonder about Campbell though. Is I I think you know he he clearly obviously studies the numbers and you know fair play to him on that because he, you you can't be blind to the value of of understanding the the analytics and for years coaches were making inefficient game decisions and it eventually over the fullness of time they realized that actually smart people are smart including Nobel Prize winners who've looked at all this sort of stuff and uh, advise on what you should be doing with your fourth downs and what you should be doing with field goal versus uh, potential um, touchdown opportunities. But one thing I wonder about Campbell, and we talked about this the other week, when he put the ball in Jared Goff's hands, do you remember when they had to make a first down? They'd, they'd, uh, they'd, he, put, he called a pass on you know, a third and long, and, and Goff comes up big on it and, and makes the throw. And it was the week after he had had a stinker against Chicago, actually, as, as it turns out, and thrown three interceptions and was looking kind of shaky. I think Campbell is all about showing faith and putting confidence in his players. I'm not so sure sometimes that those are analytics-based decisions or whether they're, I got you. I I, put, I, I believe you can do this and I don't care if you don't do it. Like you, I'll, I'll come right back to it the next time around. And you know what? If we don't get the score, I trust our defense to go out and get I think Campbell just has that kind of, He's he's constantly looking to buoy up his players at, at every turn, and I think it's 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 as much about that as it's, as it is about now. That sometimes that's going to cost him, as it did over the weekend. I'm not so sure it's a kind of a gambling thing. I think it's a faith and a confidence and a belief thing. It's probably evident in the manner of how many times a season he's gone from fourth down. I recall the the Chargers game on the road. I think he went for five times, and he was you know five oh five. We've seen it other weeks. Saw it in the Lions. I'm sorry, the Packers game Thanksgiving. Time, time, time again going for fourth downs. What I would say is though sometimes you have to pick your battles and like unfortunately the play that was pulled back at the end, you know, with the flag, they go back five yards and essentially he then reruns a, a, a play, not necessarily the same play, but like the play you're calling at the on the opening one isn't going to be the same when you, you call five yards back. In that situation you could have said, Okay, it it works, but unfortunately it didn't work because of the nature of the decision. All, it, all of it, what I said for going, that was a dumb play, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Well, just on the play itself, which um, look, they've, they've botched it up, and it doesn't look like that, that those referees are going to be in the playoffs, and they won't reap the rewards of, of getting their opportunities to to referee a game in the playoffs. What I found really interesting was he actually, by all accounts, went and spoke to the referee before the game and said, "If we have a particular play in the playbook for a two point conversion today." Um, and it's going to involve offensive linemen, et cetera, et cetera. And he, he said he had a bad feeling about it, so he actually went to the trouble of, of, of bringing it to the referee's attention. Should they run the play? And they ran the play, and it gets, it gets called. It just doesn't make any sense. But then, having gone back to five yards, that's when I think, okay, you pick your battles. You take the extra point, go to overtime. It hasn't materialized. And now, it's even more damning, because if they had won the game, they would have been the two seed. So... On Sunday morning, you could you could still at any point decide, you know what? Let's just take the take the pass and and go for go for it in overtime. You have to go for it on uh, uh, three times for for the two point conversion. Anyway, we I don't I don't think we want to spend too much time talking about the uh, the two point conversion attempt. One thing I, I do did want to say about the Cowboys though is struck today reading, reading Bill Barnwell's you know uh, t- team of the year selection. He's five Cowboys out. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily argue with any of the selections he has. He's got Micah Parsons in there. That's a tick for me. C.D. Lamb, yeah, he's had an outrageous season. Zach Martin, I can't remember who the other two are. But it, it underlined for me again that, you know, out of 22 roster spots, the Cowboys have effectively a quarter of them on his team. You know, none of them that I personally would argue over. And, you know, people will go back and forth on, on some of the selections. But 
point for me was the talent that is in that building is is off the charts and no, they still haven't come close really to to realizing it. Like, yeah, they have that lengthy home home game streak, and you know if if they do end up winning the division, that's going to put them in decent stead for for the playoffs, and and maybe they'll avoid the the, the, the banana skin that you've rightly called out. Where yeah, you go away to Tampa or New Orleans or or whoever wins the the, the South, and you have as easy a road playoff game as you're going to get in the playoffs. And no disrespect to any of the teams in the South, but, you know, I think ultimately you can't wait for them to leave the room and for the adults to continue the conversation in the, in the postseason. But Dallas potentially avoids that route if, if, if they get the, if they get the division. Um, but you're still in a tight spot in the playoffs. You think, show us something. It's again, the same thing with the Cowboys year in, year out and, and week in, week out. It's been this season. Just show us what you can do against one of the serious teams. Well, if you're looking at it right now, and I know you don't want to be hearing this because obviously your Bears have to play the Packers this weekend. But assuming the Packers take care of business, which is, I think is a big ask, bearing in mind how, how well the Bears are playing, in all likelihood would be the Cowboys hosting the Packers, and that's a game in itself. And if they were to win that, potentially they could have a rematch with the Lions again if the Lions were to take care of business. And but again, you've been, you've am, been. Am I right in saying here? Somebody reminded me of this that the Packers have never lost in Dallas in the playoffs. No, that is an accurate one. So there you go. And the, the last time, obviously, was the Aaron Rodgers wonder throw down the sideline to the tight end, leading to a Mason Crosby that walk off uh, field goal. We, we are going back quite some Mason time. Crosby seven years. Mason Crosby missed field goal, put the Bears out of the, eliminated the Bears from playoff contention. <laughs> the yeah. Tail. Even when they're not in Green Bay, they still hurt us. Yeah, well, if, yeah, that was interesting that, that the way that one ended. Um, I, the Bears, unfortunately, have got hot at the right time, but if they've left it too, 